Hi, I'm James Schellinglaw, and I'm here today with Julia Simpson, who's president and CEO of the World Travel and Tourism Council. Now, uh, many of you may know the World Travel and Tourism Council out there. If you don't, you should. It's the body that promotes the value of travel and tourism around the world. And, and in fact, what you do as travel advisors and travel suppliers as well. And so uh, every year they have a summit. Uh, gathering all of the top CEOs and uh, tourism leaders, destination leaders. Uh, and this year, coming up very soon, and actually having a second summit, uh, uh, it will be in Saudi Arabia, which is, of course, a destination that many people are very curious about, I'm curious about, and I will be attending. And we're going to talk, talk to Julia uh, today about that summit and a whole lot more in terms of what WTTC has been doing and it's been doing a lot during the whole pandemic, and it's really helping to uh, promote the value of travel and tourism and help many of you, believe it or not, indirectly or directly uh, get through this whole period. Julia, hello. How are you? Hello. Lovely to meet you and great to be with you finally. Absolutely. And uh, so, so let's, let's, let's go right to it because... Um, uh, let's preview your upcoming global summit in Saudi Arabia. First of all, why are you kind of holding a second WTTC global summit this year? <laughs> it's really just eight months after your WTTC global summit in the Philippines. Absolutely. Well, James, as you know, um, our sector was completely knocked sideways by the pandemic. Um, as you know, we lost 50% of our value globally, and we can talk about some of those numbers later. Uh, but it did sadly mean that the summit that we were meant to hold last year in the Philippines, we had to push into this year. The right. great thing about that, though, is we actually used the summit to help open up the whole of the Southeast Asian area. Because we were bringing so many investors and so many people in the world of travel and tourism, they actually opened up the Philippines borders probably a bit faster than they would have done otherwise. It's the power of the WTTC. <laughs> no, that, then you're absolutely right. And so there's a great argument, you know, we, we, did, we missed these summits over the last two years. And I told you, I was, I was at the one in Cancun, which was the one, first one back. And it was, you know, it was actually a very good summit. Everybody was so happy to be back. Uh, it was just incredible. Uh, uh, you, you know, it, it was just uh, your your chairman, Ar Arnold Donald, was just all over the place there. And I, he still is really such a promoter of travel and tourism. But let, let's talk about the focus of this WTTC Global Summit. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish during the event in Saudi Arabia? Well, the really brilliant thing about Saudi Arabia Arabia is it is pivoting its economy that of course its economy is known to be based on oil mm -hmm. and it's pivoting a lot of that economy into a whole new sector a whole new industry and we're very very fortunate that, that sector in that industry is travel and tourism so they have many natural jewels there that possibly if you're sitting on the other side of the world you're not not aware about but they've mm -hmm. got an incredible red sea coastline with a coral reef they have mountains, they even have snow. Uh, they've got incredible antiquities in, in Alula and also in, in, in outside Riyadh as well. Um, so there's great places to see there. And there are very, very warm and welcoming people. And I'm going to second guess your next question around the kind of politics of it, the geopolitics. And I always say, you know, travel and tourism exists 
really to bring people together, to bring cultures together so that we better understand each other. I've been traveling a lot to Saudi recently, and I am a woman, as you may have noticed. And I have to say, I've been really impressed at the sort of social advances that they're making, um, particularly around women. Now, if you're a college graduate in the US, whether you're a boy or a girl, you can go to any university in the world and it is paid for by the Saudi government. So you're getting a lot of strong, powerful, well-educated women. So things are changing. And my view is when somebody is going through a lot of change and they reach towards you, then it's really, really good to reach backwards. We've got things we can learn from them and they've certainly got lots that they can learn and we can bring them in, in, the, in the arena of travel and tourism. Well, it certainly appears they want to be a major part of travel and tourism, and they're building up their infrastructure. Uh, I've never seen such a fast development, and they they have the the backing and the financial strength to do that. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't going to quite ask. I, I, my view uh, is exactly yours that you know it's much better to open up a country than say, oh well, I won't go there because they're doing this or that. And um, you know, I see, I hear that now, even when I'm going to Saudi, that people are telling me, well, I wouldn't go there. And I'm saying, why wouldn't you go there? It's amazing. And why wouldn't you go there and, and befriend uh, these people? I mean, to be honest with you, I went to college with a, with a lot of them. Uh, you know, a lot of Saudis were in my schools and they were great. Um, so hopefully this will help, um, you know, that and the whole investment structure that's going there. It's going to be really interesting. I know I have a lot of meetings already set up with a lot of different people who are part of that, that I'm very eager. And then, of course, we're going to get a tour of the some of the places you just described. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. Now, what uh, what are some who are some of the people who are going to be speaking during this summit? Uh, you know, well, we, we've actually got a fantastic lineup. You know, you've got people like, uh, you know, the greats from the travel and tourism sector, like uh, Anthony Capu Capuano from, as we all know, from Marriott. Mm -hmm. You've got Arnold Donald, who, as you mentioned, and we were chatting just before, who's the... Uh, uh, Vice Chairman of um, Carnival Cruises. You'll have Chris Nassetta, CEO of Hilton. We've got Paul Griffiths, who heads up Dubai airports. We've got Matthew Upchurch, an American who runs Virtuoso. I mean, we've really got, I'm probably missing out very important people there, uh, but we've got the great and the good. And I'm hoping that we'll be able to announce in a few days some of the top speakers as well, uh, additional speakers that we're going to be having from outside the industry. The um, other thing to remember is we bring together about 60 governments from around the world. So it's a great platform for governments to really see the power, economic power right. and social power that travel and tourism brings globally. Now, now it sounds like you've got a great speaker lineup, as we discussed, uh, and including a lot of people from destinations such as from Saudi Arabia itself. Uh, you have some very important speakers, and that's always good to see. Uh, so what if, with all these speakers and this event and the high popularity of Saudi, you know, in terms of everybody wants to go there to see what's up, at least in the travel and tourism industry, uh, what does attendance look like so far uh, for your event? Yeah, well, it's very, very strong. We've had lots of people uh, wanting to come, as I say, up to as many as 60 governments globally. Uh, you know, the travel, World Travel and Tourism Council, we represent the top 200 CEOs 
in world travel and tourism globally. Um, and, you know, many of them will be there. So I'm not going to give you a final figure at the minute, but I think it is going to exceed all our previous summits, which is great news. Well, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. Uh, it really is going to be an amazing summit, and I'm looking forward to, to joining you there. Now, let's just look back at, at what WTTC has done, uh, if you're not aware, because it's done a lot during the pandemic. It was one of the organizations that I think led the way in recovery, pointing out the tremendous impact COVID-19 had had on travel and tourism. Uh, I'm sure you agree with that. But what specific things do you think you did right? What were the keys to getting through this really incredibly damaging period uh, for the world as well as travel and tourism. Yeah, I mean, James, as we said, it. what you've got to remember is we had a sector that had nine years of consecutive growth before COVID hit. It then knocked our sector by 50%. In the US, if we look at the US market, actually, although it did go down by about 40%, it managed to sort of uh, keep its prowess mostly through domestic travel. But in terms of international visitors, as you know, because they had uh, in the US, we had this rather strange antigen test that was being held onto long after many of the other countries around the world had abandoned it. It does mean that for international travel, the US will not get back until next year. Right. So, you know, these things have a real impact on jobs and on the economy. But what we tried to do during the pandemic, and it was me and it was also my predecessor, Gloria, who did a great job in this role, um, we and is now working in Saudi Arabia, as we right, know. Right, interesting. Great to have that connection, you know. But one thing that we did is organizations were desperate to say, I want to be able to tell people it's safe to come through my front door and that you will be greeted and there will be a lot of safety protocols. So we put out a safe travel stamp. Uh, we did it through the destinations because there are 400 destination organizations and they're the fastest to be able to get down to, if you like, the grassroots of the industry. And that went really, really well. We were also out there every day. And I, I, I was arguing this, you know, we've got to be very careful in our sector. We could face another pandemic. I don't wish that, mm -hmm. but I think we would be um, rather stupid if we didn't prepare for something like that happening again. And I kind of forgave governments this time around because I realized they were really frightened about, you know, COVID and its impact, health impacts. But actually, closing frontiers did not work. The WHO, the World Health Organization, said as soon as a virus is in your community, closing a frontier is not going to work. But right. now what we're living with are the economic and social consequences of having done that. You know, in the United States, travel and tourism represents about it's a contribution of about eight to nine percent of your GDP when it's at 2019 levels. And I think we will exceed that. Um, in some countries, if you look at Croatia, it represents 25% of GDP. Right. If you look at some Caribbean countries, it's in the 80%. So the social and economic uh, impact was really, really profound. So we need, what I've been trying to do is to say, if this should happen again, we need to be much better prepared. And sure. we shouldn't be closing frontiers when it does not make sense to close frontiers because it just causes more pain and hardship further down the road. So now that you're you're going to be taking up the mantle, trying to get governments to realize that this is not the way to go. And I mean, we, ironically, you know, I was just in, a, a, in Australia a few months ago and they weren't one of the last to open 
Canada was one of the last to open. Uh, and yeah, those poor people that were not traveling in, boy, now I tell you one thing, the Australians are, are leaving in droves to go to other places because they were you know, such pent up demand. And that's one of the, 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 if there is a good effect of COVID is everybody seems to want to travel at this point, right? Oh, yeah, there's massive demand. In fact, if anything, demand is outstripping supply at the moment, as you uh, know. We've, we've seen that, especially if you've been to some hotels that are usually great and they've they're, they lost employees, especially here in the U.S. Uh, they, they're still not up to you know their standards because they haven't been able to hire back everybody they need. Absolutely. Labor shortages. It's a story that you're hearing. I mean, not only in the um, hospitality sector and travel and tourism, it is impacting on other sectors as well. But yeah, you're certainly feeling it in our, our sector. And it's also, you know, like in aviation, I always try to explain to people, you can't turn an airport or an airline off and on like, like a tap. It just right. doesn't work like that. So some of the airlines, because they were facing such enormous losses, and let's face it, they weren't flying anywhere. Cargo is a very strong business, yes, but the passenger business wasn't there. And they've had to, you know, ground a lot of these planes. Now, these planes are very, very delicate, uh, finely tuned instruments. You can't just bring them back into service. Um, you know, they they take time and they all the all the air, all the pilots and people have to be current. And so we've seen, you know, some <clears throat> some it's been a bit of a um a difficult start and certainly we've seen some airports that sadly some have done really really well because they tried yeah. to keep people on during the pandemic and others have have had more more difficulty well i have to tell you everyone has their their flight flight delay stories or flight cancellation stories but they're finally starting to get it together i know but it, it has been it has been challenging and it just shows how much demand there is i don't think i'm back to you know during covid i flew a lot and boy the planes were not were pretty empty uh, and now I got to deal with pretty full planes now. And uh, it's almost like, well, you know, what's the devil, you know, it's like, it's, 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 uh, it's great that everybody's back, but it's also disappointing sometimes when you have those two or three hour delays, or maybe your flight gets canceled, but you're right. It's not something we can just turn on and tur turn off like a tap. So I do want to get onto another topic that, you know, once again, you're going to take up the mantle in, in the push for sustainable tourism, which actually is intricately linked to this whole past two years of crisis. And I think what we're doing is emerging uh, with a, a real need to focus on sustainable tourism. What have you focused on recently to promote sustainable tourism in, in every destination and with every travel supplier? Exactly. I always say that, first of all, sustainability, and if you look at our carbon impact, every human activity, whether it's eating our heating our home, going out for a meal, driving our car, air conditioning our home, going on a travel, all of those have an impact on the environment. Because I'm very keen to say that because I, you know, I don't want that sort of fetishism that sometimes you get about one sector or industry being in the bad group and the good group. Mm -hmm. This is a this is a human challenge that we all have to embrace and and work through it. So at WTTC, one of the we've done we've kind of done three things, and I'll just just talk to you about them briefly. First okay. of all, for the whole sector, we have set out a roadmap to get us to the whole sector to net zero by 2030. So mm. the way the way that we can do that is. What, what was happening is aviation has particular challenges because obviously they have to burn jet fuel and there is no 
current real substitute for jet fuel. Um, now, I think the answer there in the short term will be sustainable aviation fuel. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing a lot of countries now investing in this. Mm -hmm. And I think further down the road, you will have things like hydrogen. But hydrogen for long haul aircraft is not really viable right now. So it is important to look at those sort of middle to longer distance solutions. But in the short term, sustainable aviation fuels and the big deal that they just did at the UN under ICAO, where you have a, uh, a globally agreed system for offsetting is important. I know not everyone's liked offsetting. I think when offsetting began, there was a bit of the Wild West out there. But right. actually, this scheme is really good. And what it means country by country is where some countries can decarbonize earlier in, say, car travel, any any area, they, they can actually use that as a credit for some of the areas like aviation that might not technologically be able to decarbonize as quickly. Right. So it is a really, really good scheme, but it is a stepping stone. Okay. So what we did is I just used aviation as an example, but we looked at everybody's roadmap to reducing their carbon footprint um, by individual industries, aviation, Hotels, very, very different challenge in hotels, right. um, cruise liners, airports, tour operators, everybody. And for the first time ever, we put them under one umbrella, which nobody had done. As you know, the issue with travel and tourism and the why sometimes governments don't take us as seriously as they should is we are so fragmented. So it's very important. WTTC tries to join up those dots. So that is one really, really powerful powerful document that means we will be in control of our future. So that's one thing we've done. Um, uh, another thing that we've done is we've just published a major report on biodiversity. I like to call it nature because I'm old fashioned, <laughs> but I, I, you know, in a way, travel and tourist travel and tourism is based on people wanting to go and see beautiful and different places. Right. So we are, in many ways, the guardians of nature and biodiversity. We are at the beachfront. We are in the mountains. You know, we are in the jungles. So it's it's to our own self interest, if you like, that we really protect those that wonderful thing that is is nature all around us, because that's what people want to see, particularly after COVID, they want to get back to nature and that's what everybody's saying. But ironically, we are also the people that are going to suffer most from it. I was with the um, minister of Fiji, a group of Pacific Islands, as you know, sure. they are suffering such terrible rising sea levels. I mean, he's just had to move a whole village of 400 homes further inland because of the rising sea levels. So we're also feeling the impact of it very, very profoundly. So we have just published a major report that will be going um, to something called COP15, which is the UN tracking process of looking at biodiversity. We've all heard of the other COP that's to do with um, carbon. Sure. And I think those two worlds are going to be joining because if you look after nature, you look after all the beautiful algae in our sea, seas, as we call it, blue carbon. If you look after our rainforests, if you look after the sea temperatures, then that in itself will help reduce carbon in its own right. So we're working on that. So it's a great report okay, um, we'll called... Um, uh, uh, um, biodiversity net positive. 
Net Positive Biodiversity, and I would recommend anyone would like to read that. And then thirdly, in the hotel sector, we realize that there are many hotels that I could name. Ibero Star are really out there. I know them well. IHG, um, Hilton, Marriott, Radisson. In fact, I was talking to Federico at Radisson, who heads up Radisson. He said, Julia, you know, all us big hotel groups, we're doing a lot on sustainability. Mm But actually, 80% of the hotels are small mum and pop hotels. We call them, you know, um, B&B in the UK, bed and breakfast hotels, or they might be small chains. And really, not obviously, some of them are really inventive and they're way ahead of the, the, the game on environment. But some of them really need a helping hand in starting out on those first steps. What are they going to do? And so we've created something called the hotel basics and it's going to be an accredited system a little bit like the safe travels that we did during right, the pandemic right. a little bit similar sort of thing where if hotels can meet nine out of 12 criteria they will get an accreditation that they can use when people are thinking of buying staying with them that says that they're meeting the very very basic criteria around sustainability and that's 80 percent of the whole sector and then from there they can build and they can they can go up until they want to try and meet you know the sdgs and all the various acronyms that that surround the world of sustainability i know i know that is sometimes bewildering but but it is your impression that i think most people understand the importance of sustainability it's just you know how do we get there collectively as an industry uh that can really you know, so that, that we can make an, an impact. I mean, I believe me, one of the things that I think we found out during COVID, we were just before COVID, many of us were worried about over-tourism. Uh, and of course, then for two years, we had nobody uh, in a lot of different places. And sometimes that was great if you got to go to the destination, but it wasn't so great for the poor people who are uh, in the travel and tourism business uh, in those countries that that it affected, uh, or even industries like cruising, which you know, no, no, there was no cruise ships for two years. So uh, I, I think most people understand that it's just a way to get there. And it sounds like what you're doing uh, really is going to help, you know, raise awareness, but also get people to take practical steps to doing this and moving forward on sustainability. Exactly. It is about practical steps. It is about getting alongside a small hotel and say, listen, what is your energy usage? Do you know what your energy uses is? is? Could you reduce that in some way? You know, getting behind them on plastics. It was very interesting. I was in France over the summer. I went to a very big hotel and I wouldn't have seen a plastic straw or anything. Then I went to a very, very small little family run hotel and I, I got a cocktail. I'm telling the, everyone now that I drink cocktails, but anyway, <laughs> I got a cocktail with plastic straws in it. And I just thought we're in France, you know, it, so it, get, getting that message down very, at very, very practical level, the do's and don'ts and how we can help people um, and understanding their supply chain as well. Um, I went to a beautiful small hotel in Mallorca, which is in the Balearic Islands in the Mediterranean, and they'd made a decision that all the food that they served you in the kind of traditional buffet was going to be locally sourced. Okay. Very little stuff was going to be coming from far, far. Now, that meant as a visitor, I didn't have that kind of buffet that goes on for miles and miles, you know. But what I had was exquisite. 
I had enough choice and it was exquisite. And I also understood as a consumer what they were trying to achieve and really supported it. No, that's absolutely. And locally sourced, local is really the, the mantra for hotels now, whether you're big or small. I mean, every hotel, I just went to a very large new hotel in New York and they, they're talking about, we got locally sourced stuff. I said, what do you mean locally? We're in New York. They said, well, outside New York and the farms around and this is where the food comes from. And sometimes there's actually an herb garden at the, on the roof. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on in that respect. So I think it, it has helped that people want to get more local, which is what they should do when they are traveling. They should enjoy uh, the destinations they're, they're in and really benefit from them. Now, I, I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, obviously the WTT's main mission for many years was to lobby governments around the world to recognize the vast importance of travel and tourism. Do you believe that most countries do recognize this now, uh, yet at some times still make these rather rather strange decisions that seem counter to the interests of travel and tourism. And I know you sort of then jump on the band and, and talk to them about, you know, this, what are you, why are you doing this? It's going to hurt your economy. I mean, some countries really, really get it. Um, we were speaking with uh, Dan Graves, uh, Dan Graves, who's the assistant uh, secretary um, in the White House on travel and tourism. And he was amazing. I mean, he absolutely gets the value of travel and tourism and what it can bring. And looking at how you can, if you're in government, you can look at your visa policies to make sure you're getting the tourists when you need them. So, you know, absolutely gets it. Um, and I think the figures really speak for themselves because, as I said, before COVID, it was a growth sector growing at, for nine consecutive years. But we've done a little bit of work at the WTTC. We work with an organization called Oxford Economics, that right. are an offshoot from Oxford University, and they work on our economic data with us. And we've looked at the next 10 years. Now, we're expecting the global economy to 2023 uh, to 2030, sorry, 20, what, what are we in now? 2022 to 2032. We're expecting the global economy to grow about 2.7% on average every year. Right. We're expecting the travel and tourism economy to grow by 5.8%. So wow. this is the real growth sector again. And I'll tell you why it's a really, really one, it's because you know, one, it gets people to experience the world and understand people better, but it does create a great jobs, you know, jobs that you don't necessarily have to be a college graduate to be able to take part in those jobs. I've got CEOs in travel and tourism that started their careers as bellboys. No, so, sure. yeah. And so, you know, the really, really, really is a great routine. It also is a route that employs a lot of women. In fact, we think women is probably over 50%. You know, women who are supporting their families, they also get a lot of good career opportunities. So for governments, this is a great industry to invest in and understand. But to answer your question, they don't always appreciate travel and tourism. Uh, right. They don't always understand that one in 10 jobs on the planet and one in $10 on the planet come from travel and tourism. So it is constantly trying to remind them. Interestingly, President Macron in France um, at the end of last year, he did hold, hold a great, he pulled everyone together. But, you know, France is a very, very well visited destination. And I actually think uh, that um, the current current administration in the U.S. does understand this. We're beginning to see some very very sensible policy 
is. So, uh, you know, great. And I just, you know, just for people to understand it, the absolute value of travel and tourism before the pandemic in the US was almost two trillion dollars. I can never get my head around trillions. Yeah, that's but that is a lot. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, two trillion dollars is a lot. And we at the moment in 2022, that's going to get back to about 1.8. And as I said, next year, we're hoping that it will really get back to where it was. Um, But if you look over the next 10 years in the US, you could see travel and tourism is expected to grow, but just shy of 4% every year for the US economy, while the US economy will grow at about 2%. So again, it's almost growing again at double the rate. And we think that the total value will be about 9% of the American economy. So it's really, really, um, you know, worthwhile. And it's a growing industry. And you've got to remember, some industries are beginning to shrink. So you do need growth industries to ensure people have jobs and to ensure that the country remains wealthy. Absolutely. And every time I turn around in New York or down here in Miami, where I am right now, they're, they're opening a new hotel or something is new or they're building a new cruise ship. So it clearly is generating, you know, it's going to generate a lot of income for a lot of a lot of people over time. Now, one of the things I, I, you know, I haven't had a chance to speak with you since you uh, were named as president and CEO of WTTC. But when when you sat down with the the board there and they they were interviewing, you, what was the mission they gave you uh, to as you know the, the the WTTC chair and the board of directors? What were your your goals set as president and CEO? Well, I joined still in the middle of the pandemic. And the first lucky one, you, right? <laughs> lucky me. Great. We call it a hospital pass in rugby in, in the UK. Um, and, uh, you know, I joined in the middle and they said the first thing is to please re- keep getting out there, talking about the value of travel and tourism, keep trying to get the restrictions withdrawn. So actually, when the US did carry on having anti- the antigen test, which was kind of a bit crazy because you couldn't it didn't really add and add very much value in terms of protecting the community at that point in time I was out there very politely because I do believe we need to be seen as partners with governments just saying listen guys you know this isn't making sense you know and there were a lot of voices out there so my first mission was keep battling away at the restrictions that do not make sense to get the borders open. You've got to remember, with China still closed today, I'm very, very hopeful that China will, will be opening. Mm-hmm. So the restrictions have not, you know, Japan only reopened very recently. So we've still had, that's one of our main missions. Right. Um, the next mission was to really try and explain to everybody the value of travel and tourism. And as you said earlier, James, that there was one good thing about the pandemic. I think a lot of governments realize the scales dropped from their eyes and they realized for the first time how valuable travel and tourism is in terms of you know the well-being of of whole societies so and communities so that is our other mission and then on sustainability we are going to be doing hopefully announcing at saudi the first ever data around how sustainability around travel tourism because the issue is we cannot today come out and say exactly how much carbon we consume as a sector globally you can do it for aviation you can do it for other sectors but you can't do it as a whole piece and what you can't count you can't manage 
And also, if you don't know exactly where you stand, you can't actually promote or defend yourself either. So sustainability was definitely the third pillar. And we're going to be publishing this really fabulous data by by country for 182 countries. We will be able to talk about the impact that travel and tourism has in terms of sustainability. Now, when we talk about it, it will be environmental sustainability, but it will also be social sustainability right? Um, and other things like, you know, water usage and um, how, how our impact on local communities. So it's going to be a really interesting piece of work. So I think, you know, those are my three, three top things. No, great. Well, I'll be looking forward to that report and we'll see, you know, and then we have to put it into effect and, and sort of go back to the countries and say, look, we need to, uh, really focus on this. Of course, you know, the COVID, the, your, your, your work during COVID, uh, work on sustainability, uh, isn't the only thing going on. Obviously, right now, we, we have a lot of other uh, things going on in the world that where travel and tourism faces significant threats, both from inflation. Uh, here in the U.S., we just got our inflation figures. In U.K., you just got yours as well. Uh, you know, possible recession in some cases, Obviously, the war in Ukraine, which has impacted, I know some people directly who have been impacted in travel and tourism, who were travel and tourism people in Ukraine. Uh, and obviously, we talked about climate change. What do you, how do you focus on so many different uh, things to, and help improve the situation as travel and tourism can, so it can continue to grow sustainably? Uh, I mean, there just seem to be a lot of crises as we emerge from COVID, we're getting hit by all of these things. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a very interesting economic uh, situation at the minute because you're right, some people are talking about us going into recession. The UK just published, as you you got them in the US, in the UK, they just published it, uh, interest rates of 10%. Yeah. You know, these interest rates that none of us have seen for a very, very long time. Um, and so that is a headwind on our businesses. But what's slightly different is, first of all, demand is still outstripping supply, right. which often in a recession, the demand drops off. But that is not the case here. We have lots of people with uh, available uh, money and they want to travel. And we're not seeing any signs that that is diminishing at all at the moment. So it's a very, very buoyant marketplace. That's number one. The other issue with it, if it is a recession, and we don't know yet, but we also have very, very high rates of employment. Often right. in recessions, you have high levels of unemployment. So again, it makes this economic situation slightly different from anything else we've seen before. So in the sector of travel and tourism, we are finding people still want to travel. They have saved money. And if they're going to make sacrifices, they may make sacrifices on other things, but they're not going to make sacrifices on travel and tourism. Also, business travelers come back. You know, right. it really is coming back. In fact, probably the part of the world that's it's going to come back fastest is going to be Southeast Asia, particularly when China opens. I, I, I just read a report that that was the case. You're right. It's absolutely true. And I don't know about yourself, James. You're saying you're down in, in Miami today uh, with the cruise line lines. But I'm now going to many, many more conferences. Just look at WTTC. We held a conference in Manila. 
We held a conference in Puerto Rico. We're going to be holding a conference coming up in, in, in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. You know, if we're just a micro example, everybody's doing that. So business travel is very, very much back on the agenda. Uh, so to answer your question, travel and tourism seems to be doing very well. No, you're right. And demand seems, I mean, keep sort of waiting for that other shoe to drop when people start saying, maybe I don't have enough money to travel. But again, I'll, I'll return to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic as maybe an influence that people at this point saying, look, I don't care. I'm going to travel no matter what. And uh, my view of it, and, and I do it for business from the very beginning, I was traveling all through, almost all through the COVID period. Uh, you could travel. It was difficult. Uh, but it was, and sometimes it was beneficial, as I mentioned earlier, because there was nobody around. It, you had empty planes and things you can go on. But I, I've been going, as you mentioned, uh, boy, my, my conference schedule is, is a bit crazy. I go to at least two or three a month uh, of something. So I, I am literally on the road for a long time. And, whether, and, and I will be again, hopefully, uh, you know, coming up with your conference. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, let we go out to... Um, about 109,000 travel advisors in the U.S. and Canada, uh, many of whom who were devastated by obviously COVID-19. Uh, they couldn't work. I mean, they they you know they really didn't their business. They had to go into hibernation. We lost a lot of subscribers then when people just disappeared for a while. They're now coming back strong. Uh, what what is there anything else you'd like to say to them and also the other uh, travel suppliers that we go out to? We go out to all the other travel suppliers as well as travel advisors. Uh, about WTTC and what the future holds? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to say to everybody who's uh, listening in and dialing in today is that we really, really are on your side. I think you've done an incredible job during the pandemic. It has been really hard for many businesses. Um, we have a lot of members, and I have to say, I, I was re it, it's something special about our industry and the people that are in our industry. So many members stayed with WTTC. You mm -hmm. know, they believed in it. Uh, they fought for it. And I want to say that we are going to fight for you. And I will, if you have particular issues, I always say this, just call me or email me. You know, right. I'm very, very happy. If I can use the power of WTTC to help you, in any of the issues you're facing, please do get in touch with us. Absolutely. Well, Julia, it's been great to speak with you. I really look forward to seeing you uh, in Saudi Arabia for this really, uh, you know, I, I've been to a lot of WTTC conferences over the years. I've been covering the industry, but I think this is going to be a really important one and, and certainly well, it's going to be well attended and one that people will be speaking about for a long time. But I want to thank you for taking the time you spent with us today. And we look forward to seeing you in Riyadh. Oh, James, I can't wait to see you there as well. Thank you very much. I'm James Schellinglaw, and this is Insider Travel Report.